Last week we talked about uh, faith and we identified the timetable of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is. Everybody say now. now. Now faith is, the Bible says, which means faith as a timetable. You don't decide to live by faith tomorrow. You don't decide to live by faith next week. Now faith is, which means today is the day uh, when faith becomes the substance and the evidence of your life. Amen. Substance means the, the, the thing that you can lay hold of. Evidence means that which proves and convicts. If there's a crime committed, the first thing that happens is they begin to gather up evidence. And that evidence will either set someone free or it will convict them. So for you and for me, faith is what we base our position on, which means there are things in your life that you're going to go through that you're not going to have the immediate answer for. This is where faith comes in. Amen? Amen. So that means uh, as a Christian, who in here has been a Christian more than five minutes? Just wave at me. That's awesome. Congratulations. You made it. But here's the deal. In Christianity, uh, and, and maybe not in this church, but we've heard it before, that when you become a Christian, or maybe it's not really said, but it's almost like implied that when you become a Christian, everything immediately begins to work out. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, if you've ever read the Bible or you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you find out that being a Christian doesn't remove you from adversity. Being a Christian actually puts a, uh, uh, a Holy Spirit-filled target on your back. Who in here has ever experienced that? Just nod your head at me and go, yeah, I'll tell you what, brother, that's me. See, here's the thing. When you become a Christian, now you are a, a, a target for the adversary. But the thing is, we don't get to begin to live by faith when everything begins to work out. No, on the contrary, the Bible says now faith is, which means faith has a timetable and it begins for everybody at the exact same time right now, which means you begin to believe God in the face of adversity, regardless of your lot, regardless of your situation, you begin to believe God at His Word and you will see it come to pass. Last week we talked about the sound that you can hear from heaven that, that overcomes everything you may hear or see in the natural. We talked about a prophet named Elijah and the Bible says that he heard the sound of abundance of rain. I just want you to know that the sound of abundance of rain has come to New Heights Church. Come on, put your hands together. Has come to New Heights Church in the Brazos Valley. There's a rumbling in the heavens. But the Bible says there was nothing to be seen in the natural. There was no clouds. There was no, no anything to be seen in the natural. But there was a sound. And since he heard the sound but could see nothing, you cannot, nobody's ever heard thunder and lightning and not seen a cloud unless it's, unless it's uh, 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 you're on top of a mountain looking super far or something. But at the end of the day, he was not hearing with his natural ears. He was hearing with his inner man, dare I say, his inner ear. And even in the natural, your inner ear is where you find your balance. It's where you find your stability. 
So when you're hearing and seeing things that are contrary to what you're believing for in the natural, when your eyes are laying hold on it, when the doctor's report hasn't changed, when you still have the same issues you're dealing with, when the issues haven't changed, when the job hasn't shifted yet, when things haven't happened the way you should, you can't be listening to what you hear out here for your stability. Your inner ear, your inner man, your inner woman has to hear what God says about you. And God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are the head, you are not the tail, you are blessed coming in, you are blessed going out, you are blessed in the city, you are blessed in the field, you are mine, you are a joint heir with Christ, there is nothing that you should fear because I am with you. So as we go through life, we have to focus and get our faith fixated on what we hear. Now Elijah, the Bible said, heard the sound of abundance of rain, but the Bible says also that we, uh, uh, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Which is why at New Heights Church, we do a lot of Bible reading. We read from the scripture a lot. Because uh, as much as I might enjoy it, uh, faith does not come by hearing the word of Brian. It comes by hearing the word of God. So for you and for me, it's, it would be better for me to just stand up here and read uh, the, the New Testament to you word for word, line upon line, than for me to give you a hundred different good ideas that may or, not, may or may not be biblically based. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, Elijah didn't have the Bible. He was actually a big character in the Bible. Elijah didn't have the Bible, so he was living off of what Jesus would later talk about, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he's hearing the sound of abundance of rain. He's seeing no evidence thereof. So he finds himself not seeing what he was believing. So the Bible says he goes to a place of growth, gets on top of a mountain, sits down, covers his ears with his knees to make sure that nothing that he sees and nothing that he hears is going to disrupt what he's believing and hearing in his inner man. So when it comes to faith, you and me have to hear what God says, believe what God says, and stand on what God says, regardless of what we see. Amen? Amen? Today I want to continue on that same thought, but I want to itemize exactly how it is that we can please God in the process. That same chapter, 11 and verse 6, says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, that's God, to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So number one, if, if you have a car and you know you have to have the key to crank the car, could we say it like this? It's impossible to start your car without faith. It's impossible to start your car without the key. Some of you might be going, no, preacher, you can pull the dash down right there. There's a couple little wires. You can just tap, 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 tap. Glory, nothing's impossible with God. Look at that. Listen, just don't, okay? You can't crank your car without a key, generally speaking. Some of you may be gifted in other areas. So faith becomes the key to please God. If there was one area uh, in the relationship with your spouse that you say, you know what, the only way to make them happy is this. It would be very important for you to figure out what that, what that was. Well, it's the same with God. He says, outside of faith, you can't please Him. It's impossible to please God without faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of what we hope for. It's what we're believing for. It's the evidence of what we cannot see. 
So when it comes to the Lord, we have to figure out how do we get close to him. He goes on to say, without faith you can't please God or anybody wants to come to God. Number one, you have to believe that he is or that he exists. Well, you're here on a Sunday morning. Number one, I'm proud of you. Number two, you probably believe God exists. If you don't this morning, you may be kicking tires and going, I don't know. I just want to see. I want to try it out. I say just stick around because it's going to speak to your heart. But you have to believe that God exists. You can't get to God. You can't approach God if you don't believe that he exists. But then, uh, uh, and I don't want to turn this into a language arts class, but then he throws a conjunction in there and says, and. So anybody who wants to approach God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, this is imperative because there's so many different ideas out there about what God is like. Well, if you want to know what God is like, you read the book, uh, you read uh, the four books of the Bible called the Gospels or the Canons, and you read about the man, Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and whatever Jesus did in that time is what God is still doing today because the Bible says that Jesus never did anything without seeing his Father do it, and he said, if you know me, you'll know my dad. So literally, you have to not only believe that God exists, but according to this, you have to believe that he is a rewarder. Can I, work, can, I, can I say it differently? You have to believe he's a good God. You have to believe he's a good father. Now, he created everything that ever is and ever was. He flung the stars in the sky, told the mountains how tall to grow, drug his finger through the sand, said, river, you can go here. Depth, uh, 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 seas, you're going to be this deep. Oceans, you're going to be this deep. Land, you're going to be this wide. He did all these things. Trees, you can grow this tall. Birds fly like this. Fish swim like this. He did all these different things. And if he was not a good God, we would still have to serve him. But you have to know, if you want to approach him, that he is, in fact, a good God. So if you ever have a picture of him, you have to picture him through the lens that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, diligently serve him, those that pursue him, those that follow after him, those that live by faith. He's a rewarder, 100%. And how you come to him has everything to do with what you will receive from him. I have, I have three kids. And when sometimes they come to me and they ask me a question, they're like, Dad, 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 you know what? I love you, I love you. I'm like, yeah, I love you too. You know what? What's up? Like, can we have an ice cream sandwich? I'm like, get me one too. <laughs> Other times they're like, Dad, you're probably going to say no. But can I have a cookie? And I'm like, Yo, you, no. You come to me like that? expecting the opposite. Listen, I'm a good daddy. You come to me expecting something good to happen. You say, you say what do you mean? Well, sometimes they come to me and they ask me, and, and they, 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 they're in the room, so like they're now they're, they're learning my secrets right now, two of them are. But, but, but they come to me and they ask me, and say, Daddy, can I have a cookie? And I'll say no. And I'm saying no because I'm trying to see where they're at. Are they going to receive what their father says to them? Or not. And if they say, yes, sir, no problem, going about their business, it might not be two minutes later. I'll come and I'll say, hey, come here, babies. Let's have these cookies together. Because I want them knee-jerking. If my father says it, it must be for my benefit. So fathers, you are the representation of what heaven 
is like to your children. So when you speak to your children, listen, listen, and, and this, this, is just, this is just a side note. This is, this is a freebie. Just stop flying off the handle at your kids because God doesn't fly off the handle at you. You said, I've always had a temper. My daddy had a temper. My grandpa had a temper. We're just known for having temper. Uh, well, break it. Wouldn't it be nice if your kids didn't have a temper even though grandpa had a temper? Guys, bring your wives next week and I'll talk to them. <laughs> but literally, how you come to God determines whether or not you can access Him. Number one, you have to believe He exists. Number two, you have to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In other words, you have to expect something good to happen. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, I would start taking notes and write this down. But number one, expect God to do something good. We're coming into a revival season where we're going to have Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Listen, there, there are other things we could be doing on a Friday night. There's other things we could do it on Saturday, Sunday, uh, Sunday night. But we are going to diligently seek God for three days, four powerful services, and we are going to expect God to do something good. Some of you are going to bring family members in here and they're going to get born again and they're going to begin their journey with God like you're on. And you're going to begin to, to, to be their, their helper throughout the process and point them in the right direction when they have questions and help them understand what's the Bible mean here, what's the Bible mean. You're going to be able to help them do that. It's going to be wonderful. Some of you guys, you're going to have your physical body healed this week in the name of Jesus. But it is an expectation that puts a demand on the heavens. The Bible says you can't even get to God. Let's read it again. Uh, but without faith, it's possible to believe God. For he that comes to God must. That word must means not optional. Doesn't say should. Doesn't say ought to. Doesn't say it'd be a good idea. It says anybody that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe. So this week, what I want you to do all week long is I want you to get up in the morning. I want you to remind yourself at dinner time. I want you to remind yourself before you go to bed. I want you to remind yourself, I expect God to do something good. The minute you begin to expect God to do something good, now you have activated your environment for the miraculous to break out in your life. Let me give you an example. There was a lady, uh, the Bible says, uh, for 12 years lived with a condition uh, most commonly referred to as an issue of blood. She constantly bled. She was constantly bleeding. And the Bible says that she got to a place and she heard that Jesus was passing by and Jesus was actually on his way to heal a guy's daughter who uh, everybody thought she was sick then she died so Jesus was going to go raise her from the dead. But Jesus is walking by and there's a great crowd of people and she says to herself, she says, if I can just touch the edge of his clothes, if I can just touch the edge of his coat, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Meaning, I am expecting... God to do something good. She didn't say, I got to have five minutes face to face. I got to become his best friend. We got to go to dinner twice a week. I got to know that he knows my name. I got to know. He didn't, she didn't say any of that. She said, if I can just touch the hip, just the edge, if I can just touch the edge of his clothing, I will be made whole. I expect God to do something good. 
I believe he is a rewarder of those who press through the crowd, who press through all the naysayers to get to the one who can change everything. I expect God to do something good in my life. The Bible says that she got in the crowd and she began to push through the crowd and make her way to the crowd. And she reached out and she touched the edge of his garment, the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that when that happened, power came out of Jesus. It doesn't say that Jesus stopped and touched her. It says she touched Jesus. Now sometimes that happens. Sometimes Jesus will find somebody and just make a point and touch them. But he is always accessible if you want to touch him. He's always available. She pressed through the crowd. But here's the other thing. Religiously speaking, in those days, she wasn't even supposed to be there because she would have been considered unclean, which means she did not let her issues stop her from getting close to the one who can change her. Don't you ever believe the enemy that says, you need to get yourself cleaned up, then go to church. You need to get yourself cleaned up, then turn to God. No, everybody look to your right. Now look to your left. Now right, right, left. No, just kidding. <laughs> Everybody you see is working this thing out. Nobody has it all together. There was only one. And he gave his life for people like you and me. But she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus turns around and says, whoa, power came out of me. And she says, she says oh, my goodness. And she gets a little nervous because she doesn't know what he's going to say. Because she knew religiously she's not supposed to touch him. But religion will let you die. But a relationship will draw you in. Amen. Jesus said, who touched me? Not because he didn't know. God never asks a question he doesn't know the answer to. So you just as well be honest when he does. Who touched me? She's like, ah. Oh. Finally says, it was me. He said, woman, your faith has made you whole. The fact that you believed in what you could not see, the fact that you trusted in the substance and the evidence of what you could not see in the natural, you have been made whole because you expected God to do something good in your life. Everybody say, expect God, God to do something good. This is an all-the-time scenario. We don't come to a time when we stop expecting God to do something good. You know, I've lived long enough to see people go through things that I didn't understand why they went through them, including myself. Live for God, doing everything you can. All you know and all you can, can hang on to in those seasons is that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season, everybody say due season, you will reap. So as we get to this new season in our church, this weekend, I strongly encourage you to come out. There's going to be a great preacher on Friday night, uh, Pastor Brian Hallam from College Station, Texas. Hey, thank you for that. That's nice of you, all two of you. Uh, then Pastor Frankie Mazapika from the Woodlands, then Pastor Jeff Hackelman on Sunday morning, and then uh, a true apostle, my uncle, who literally almost uh, single-handedly established churches all through Ireland and all other kind of wonderful things. Uh, Pastor Walter Hallam will be with us Sunday night. But if you've never been in a, in a series of services where you stack them like that, something happens. It's a, it's a building of momentum. It's a building of shifting. It's a building of different things. But what I want you to do is I want you this week 
to begin to prepare. Once you're walking through these doors with those beautiful new bistro lights that are dangling from the ceiling, and I want you believing God that He's going to do something good. Can we just agree that the Bible's true? He said you can't access God unless you believe He exists. You're here on a Sunday morning. Even after an Aggie game that went till midnight. How about them Aggies though, right? But not only believe that He exists, but expect Him to do something good. God's about to start breaking out in your life in ways that are going to blow your mind. And you're not even going to recognize your family five years from now. It's going to be so good from glory to glory to glory. But if you want to expedite it, you do what she did. You press through all the people, all the things that might stop you from getting to him. And you just decide, I'm going to touch him because if I touch him, I'm expecting God to do something good. There's one other man in our Bible. Uh, he was sitting next to a pool. The Bible calls the Pool of Bethesda. It says there was five porches around it. Five in the Bible always represents the five-fold ministry, order, doing things appropriately. So it's referenced this guy was doing things in order. He was sitting there, and as, the, as history would teach, there was a time when an angel would come down from heaven and stir and trouble the waters. Oh, I feel the waters being troubled around here right now. But the angel would come down and trouble the waters, and the first person that got thrown in the water would be healed. And the Bible says he was sitting there waiting, and Jesus walks by one day. And he says, hey, man, would you like to be healed? He goes, I'd love to. He said, but I don't have anybody to throw me in the water. Everybody always gets in the water before me. The angel comes, troubles the water, and I get overlooked because I, I can't get in the water today. I don't know how I'm going to get in the water. Nobody put me in the water. And, and what he didn't know is living water was walking up to him. And Jesus said, yeah, 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 pick up your bed and walk. The man had been crippled for 38 years. 38 eight years in 2016 I'm going to say this it's going to sting so just get ready for it bump your neighbor say this might sting we start doubting God if he doesn't fix it in 38 seconds and this guy expected God to do something good for 38 years Jesus walks by says take up your bed and walk the man gets up and walks off but what I find very interesting is the man expected God to do something good, knew that that was the place where the waters were troubled. Listen, New Heights is a church where the waters are often troubled. You can hear something from God. I never, it always, I don't know if this is like proper preaching words, but it always trips me out when, when you know, like see somebody, you know, in town or whatever, because, you know, we'll, we'll be out to eat and somebody will walk up and they're like, oh, preacher, man, you just did such a good job Sunday morning. And I'm just like, thank you, you know. But I'm just like, oh, thanks, whatever. And, and, and they'll say, man, that word spoke to me. And I'll think about my four points or five, whatever I had that morning. And I'll think about it. I'll say, yeah, what, yeah, whatever. And then they'll say, when you said this, and it will be like, like not even a part of my sermon. It'll be like a part of my, hello, how are you this morning? And I'm just like, well, God will keep you humble. Because it is the opportunity to hear the voice of God. When the waters are troubled. Let me tell you what we do with worship. Here's why we sing so many songs. Picture like a curtain, like a, like a, like a movie theater curtain or a, or a big theater curtain, you know, goes the, from side to side. And the, there's always a gap because, you know, the curtain splits and they pull it open. What we're doing when we worship, even sometimes when I'm walking up here, is it's like 
we're walking down the curtain because you can't, all the ruffles and all, all the pleats, uh, you can't see where the two connect. So when we're worshiping, it's, we're just walking down, walking down, walking down. We're feeling all the ruffles, feeling all the ruffles. And then, boom, your hand goes through. And now you begin to break through. And now you have an opportunity to go in. So for us, what we're doing all the time is, you know, we know the waters are troubled here. So we're just going, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, our Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, to me. We're just looking for just a little break in the atmosphere. This weekend, we are going to find that break and we are going to split it wide open and the power and the presence of God is going to burn in the hearts of men and women. We will see miracles, signs, and wonders. We will experience change in people's life and get this in our own life too. But come in this building you already believe God exists. You're here on a Sunday morning. Come in this building not only believing that He exists, but believing that He actually is a rewarder, meaning you expect God to do something good. The man laid there, told Jesus, I don't have anybody who can throw me in the water. Which means this, by faith, he went to the right place, not knowing the next step. You see, faith always involves risk. It always involves pursuing God when you don't know all the steps. This is where I would tell your story if I knew yours, but since I don't, I'll stick with mine. When Crystal and I knew God was calling us to this region to start a church, I had no idea that your wonderful smiling faces would be here this morning. I had no idea that God was going to give us a building positioned perfectly for the growth of the region. I had no idea that, that he had another group of people building a church for us. I had no idea that these things were happening. I had no concept. All we knew is if the waters are going to be troubled there, I'm going to find my way to a porch and I will find out the next step. Get this, when I get there. I got a word one time, which just church speak for, I was praying and, and I felt something in my spirit the Lord indicated to me that he would meet me at the intersections of my life. If I gave you directions to drive to Dallas, I would tell you to go uh, north on Highway 6. And I wouldn't tell you, don't turn at Briarcrest, don't turn at University, don't turn at Boonville, don't turn at 21, don't stop in Hearn. Don't. I wouldn't tell you everywhere not to turn. I would just tell you, and when you get to Interstate 35 in Waco, go north. Because God, he's not a secretive God that doesn't want to tell you the next steps in your life. He just can't be pleased without you living by 
faith, which means if he said go north, you go north until he tells you to turn again. God will meet you at the intersections of your life. But so many times, again, we, we have that 38-second rule that Chick-fil-A has spoiled us to. Where you get to one window, you, nowadays you don't have to go to the window. They're like standing out in the heat. You're giving them money. They take your card. They slide them in. Then you get there and you get your bag of chicken and it smells so wonderful. And then they still say, uh, have a great, what do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. You don't have any idea. That chicken salmon is going to be my pleasure, bud. I guarantee it. <laughs> Why aren't they open on Sunday anyway? We're going to have a prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7. Just kidding. Expect God do something good he went to the place where the waters were troubled not knowing that living water was going to show up but because he was positioned get this at the right place at the right time because at year 36 everybody stand to your feet please at year 36 he didn't grow weary in well doing at year 37 he didn't decide God fell off his throne at year 37 and a half, he didn't decide he's going to try it his way. No, he just kept on pressing towards the mark. He just kept on believing God. And in your life and my life, it's really that simple. It's like the longer we are a Christian, the more complicated we make it. But it's really that simple. Believe God, number one, that he exists. And then number two, that he is a rewarder. Expect God to do something good. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and close your eyes, please.